Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. On this episode of the podcast, we will be discussing everything Garrison Brothers. We'll go through the history of the distillery, current news, and of course, our personal favorite aspect of the show, the tasting. With me, as always, is my intrepid and brilliant co-host, Andy Kletchik. Andy, how you doing today? I'm doing great. It's two days after my birthday. I'm the big 2-9 officially now. Finally, the big 2-9. Yeah. Getting old, man. I know. Getting old. But as I like to say, you're older, you're wiser. Yeah, at least one of those is true. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, we're, we're excited about this episode. Um, we're doing a Texas whiskey today. And yep. honestly, Andy, I'm, I'm a big Texas fan. I like Texas. I like the state. I think it, you know there's a lot of things about it that attracts me to it. We were just saying there's like three states I would move to, and Texas would probably be one of them. Yeah. But I keep being a little disappointed by the Texas whiskeys. Balcones, I thought was fine. I know it's not uh, your favorite T- whiskey. Yeah, TX whiskey, not a big fan. So I'm really excited. Garrison Brothers is always touted as one of the best in Texas. So I'm really excited to uh, to, to see how it is. So go yeah. ahead and uh, let's jump in. Tell the folks everything they need to know about Garrison Brothers. Of course. So this is a – Garrison Brothers is a brand that um, – they're about 16 years old. They're founded in 06. Um you know, after their founder, uh, name the name of the brand comes from his last name. Um, you know, he wanted to do something like he had, I think, an IT job that like he liked, but it kind of just wasn't fulfilling for him. Um, you know, he kind of just wanted something more out of life to do. And, you know, of course, being in Texas, from Texas, living in Texas and everything, um, <clears throat> It was kind of something that, like, he just wanted something more to do and found, well, hey, let's make a Texas whiskey. Um, and it was something that, you know, he, back in 06, um, when he was going through all the setup and everything uh, to get the permits and everything, you know, he actually got the um, first distillery permit for, at least for bourbon production in Texas as a state. Uh, I don't know if, you know, other distilleries had, like, other liquors or other, like, whiskeys available that they had permits for. But he was the first brand that had a bourbon-specific distillery permit for um, to operate back then in 06. And, you know, he quickly began to try to put that to work. It was something that, you know, he wanted – he was distilling everything. He was trying to get everything up and running – all that fun stuff, um, you know, trying to get it all up and running for him. So it's because he wanted to begin to actually get his whiskeys and bourbons to the market. Uh, of course, unfortunately, um, took a little bit longer than I think he anticipated to do because, um, first of all, because Texas, for anybody that remembers from like our Balconis and TX whiskey episodes, um, or anybody that knows more about Texas history beyond just those two brands, the temperatures are a little bit hotter in Texas than, say, in Kentucky or any other states mm-hmm. in um, at least America that are typically whiskey distilling states. Um, so, unfortunately, like that first batch of bourbon and whiskey, he lost it to the Texas heat because basically the barrels literally began leaking, which is somewhat typical for some barrels to do, even in other states. You'll see some leakage. They're just not quite put together right or whatever. But unfortunately, the barrels also just 
literally broke. <laughs> so you lost pretty much most, if not all, of the whiskey. Um, but, you know, he recovered quickly, and it was something that, you know, he found a way to actually contract through, I don't know which cooperage, but contract with a cooperage in order to literally custom make barrels that would work within the Texas environment. So they're a little bit, you know, they're maybe a little bit longer, but they're for sure like thicker stays, more sealed, just everything about the barrel is better constructed to stand up to, you know, higher pressure, more heat, everything else like that, that'll work in a hot Texas summer Mm -hmm. where really the bourbon and whiskey is penetrating that wood a lot more. Um, and helps it survive a lot more in the Texas heat in the Texas environment to make the bourbon making process better. Um, and it was something around 2010, like March of 2010, which is Texas Independence Day. Um, they actually got out their first product onto the market, uh, and it's something that for anybody that knows Texas whiskey, a lot of Texas whiskeys, at least as far as I know and I'm familiar with, is based around the Austin area. Um, They're actually, Garrison Brothers is based out of High, H-Y-E, Kentucky, which is about 60 miles-ish west of Austin. Um, Maybe southwest of Austin, but like 60 miles west of Austin, roughly. Um, And so, you know, like I said, they were able to get their stuff out, you know, four years later, that's kind of seems to be the hub of where all Texas whiskey or at least famous Texas whiskey to the rest of the country is. Um, and you know, they definitely pride themselves on being that, you know, one of the first Texas whiskeys coming out, the first Texas bourbon, like that distillery permit and everything. Uh, you know, something else they're very prideful of is being a hundred percent family owned and operated, um, where, you know, their founder his kids, his parents, and even his spouse, at least all of them, are working in the distillery in some capacity, whether it's, you know, being master distiller, being tasters, bottling line, whatever the case is, you know, being somewhere in the distillery. Right. Doing stuff. And so they're very prideful of that, along with the Texas history and pride that they have for the brand. Uh, and you know, if you go and look at their website, they're also very, very just prideful as a result of being so family oriented. They're very prideful, like wanting to be promoting like responsible drinking, all that type of stuff too. You know, they speak about how they, you know, want to be very, um, you know, kind of for lack of better phrasing, leave no man behind. Like don't let somebody get too drunk. You want to make sure like you're enjoying the spirit responsibly because, you don't want to sit here and be imbibing yourself too much and then can't make it home or, you know, end up being so drunk that you crash a car or something like that, whatever the case is. So they're very family-oriented, oriented, very Texas-oriented, all of that fun stuff, um, and have that pride. And they, um, you know, this reflects very much in their products as well. Um, you know, they're very prideful of the product. Uh, they use, they're typically aged for roughly four to five years, which is, um, at least in the Texas heat, which is a lot longer than I think most Texas whiskeys are aged as far as I've ever seen. Like, I think Balcones does maybe two to four years. Um, 
So, if I can recall, so like most other Texas whiskeys are like aged a lot younger, but they can impart the same flavors as maybe like what a Kentucky bourbon could do because they have that heat that's just drawing more flavors and everything out in the um, maturation process. Uh, and of course, all of this is coming from a um, mash bill. All of it begins with a mash bill of 74% corn. Uh, typically, they're using a um, white corn. And actually, the they list this, at least some of this, on the uh, labels for the products. Um, like on the one that we're trying today, it's a uh, the corn variety is a food grade number one white corn. Love it. Um, so that makes up 74% of the mash bill, then 15% wheat, and 11% barley in the mash bill. Um, that, you know, goes into their own custom barrels that I was mentioning about earlier that they kind of had to do to combat the Texas heat and everything to make it sturdier. Uh, and then, like I said, you know, goes in there for roughly four to five years at least to mature and age and everything, and then goes into a few different products that they have. Um... In the, so they have their small batch, which is the one we'll be trying today. And then they also have their um, single barrels. And then their cowboy bourbon. And then they have their uh, Laguna Madre, um, Honeydew, their High Rye, H-Y-E Rye, kind of play on where they're from, High Texas. Sure. Um, and then their Guadalupe whiskey. Um, and then their, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Balmorea. Um, bourbon whiskey and that's you know once it's ready to bottle and everything it will go into one of those different ones now they also have a um, I I think if I recall it's like a cowboy like a boot flask or something like that which is basically just their their small batch that'll go into like a pint sized bottle that you know as they describe on their website uh, would be perfect for sticking in like in your boot for special events. Right. It's like the perfect size and shape perfectly for that type of situation. Hell yeah. You ready to give it a taste? Oh yeah. All right, folks, you, uh, you heard the man get your glass poured and we're going to do the tasting. We've already got ours. So let's just dive right on in. As always, we're going to start with the nose. Hmm. Very good. Yeah. Very light. Florally, maybe even I'm not getting a whole lot on it. What are you? What are you getting? I'm kind of getting like I'm kind of getting stereotypical Texas notes. I mean, some floral notes, as you were saying, like some very, very, even though they're very, very high corn content, like a very, very malted barley note that mm-hmm. like I would get off of like a an Irish whiskey or a Scotch, um, something like that that would be you know high in barley content. Or other yeah, malted grains. I agree. Yeah, the Texas whiskeys tend to remind me a little bit of Scotch. For yeah. Some reason. I don't know why, but I tend to get that a lot with a lot of at least the Texas whiskeys we've tried. So yeah, let's give it a taste. Cheers, sir. Cheers. Very good. Very approachable. Smooth. Um. Still gives a lot of that very te- very Texasy punch. Yeah, yeah, it's very similar to a lot of the other Texas whiskeys, but reminds me a lot about Kilnes. Yeah, it's almost they almost kind of remind me. It's like a Scotch or like a pot still type whiskey. That's what they kind yeah of remind like, me of. like yeah. It definitely reminds me more. Like obviously they're very very Texas, 
And it reminds me, like the color especially reminds me of a Texas whiskey, just in the fact that they're very, very, it's a very dark amber color. Right. If you look at it in the bottle. But like, I know you mentioned Balconis. Even though it very is reminiscent of a Texas whiskey, it doesn't give as much of a punch as like what Balconis gives. It gives a lot lighter of a punch to me. I get that. Um, this is probably out of the ones we've tried. Balconis, TX. I'm trying to think if there's another one. Balconis. Those are maybe the three we've tried this that I my, can think of. I think this is probably my favorite of them. Yeah. It's very, it's very well, you know, it's very good. It's very well constructed. Um, I'm sure maybe the age had something to do with it, or maybe the barrel construction had something to do with it, but it's very rounded. It's not quite as, like, sharp in some areas as those other ones might be. Sure. Um, you know, as far as, like, maybe, like, oh, way too peated. Oh, way too malty. It, oh, way too whatever in a certain category on the nose and the palate. It's very good. It's very well-rounded. I would definitely buy it. Um, pricey, will, but... Yeah, it's pricey. I mean, I will definitely say it's not the... At least in the Cincinnati market, it's not the cheapest thing to buy. You know, for me, I found it for like 90 bucks, 95 bucks after tax here in the Cincinnati market. So, you know, definitely not the cheapest bourbon or whiskey to buy. Amer- at least American bourbon or whiskey to buy. But I think, you know, as a start, it's definitely worth it to try it at a bar if you can find it. And if you like it there, buy a bottle of it. Absolutely. All right, folks, that's it from us this week. Make sure you go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, leave a review, listen to, share every episode of Distilled Discussions. Tell your friends about us and uh, share us on your social media pages and follow us on Instagram. I really do appreciate it. Have a great week. Pour yourself another whiskey and don't worry, America. We'll be here to drink with you next week.